2 Samuel 16, verse 5, when King David came to Bahurim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. And as he came, he cursed continually. He was cursing David nonstop. And he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David. And all of the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And Shimei said as he cursed, get out. Get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son, Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. Verse 9. Then Abishai, the son of Zeriah, that's David's uh, sister Zeriah, her son Abishai is his nephew. He said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zeriah? If he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, curse David, who then shall say, why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite leave him alone? Let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me, and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. So David and his men went on the road, while Shimei went along on the hillside opposite him, and cursed as he went, and threw stones at him, and flung dust. And the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary, say weary with me, weary at the Jordan, and there he refreshed himself. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you something about yourself that you didn't know I knew. You've been done wrong at least once in life. Somebody's talked about you, misrepresented you, mistreated you, misunderstood you. It is an undeniable fact that if you're over the age of 14 in this room, you have been done wrong at some point in your life. Most of us in a sin-cursed world um, have been done wrong multiple times. And typically, we think about the person that did the wrong, but in the kingdom sense, we need to think more so on how we've responded to the wrong done to us. That's where God is working in our lives. And so we're going back um, about 3,000 years, and we're, we're coming face to face with one of the most despicable people in all of the Old Testament. He's a loser. He's a loudmouth. He's a jerk. He's an idiot. And he is shooting David while David is wounded. The man's name is Shimei. I hope you never forget Shimei. Because chances are there's been a shimmy or two in your life. But here is the scorcher. You have the possibility of being a shimmy in somebody else's life if you're not walking in the spirit. I want to live free from offense. I want to be not 99% free of offense. I want to be 100% free of offense in my life. And it is repeatedly tested. What do I mean by living free from offense? I'm talking about the possibility that when you're offended by somebody, when somebody does something unjust, unkind, very personal towards you in the negative sense, 
it offends a lot of components of who you are. It, it can blow your mind because it may be unreasonable. It can wound your heart because you, you expected blessing, not cursing upon you. And it can even, if you're not careful, it can reorient your spirit because it's possible for us to internalize the words that were spoken against us. And we can even come out of those kind of situations or seasons thinking wrongly about ourselves because we've given too much credence to what that opposition has spoken over us. And so we have to be on guard in this area of our hearts, especially those of us that are asking God to do something distinctly new in our lives, our families, maybe in other components of our our day-to-day living, our church, our region. We're asking God, think about it, we're singing it to God, we're praying it to God. We just came off the monthly fast and we're fasting and pressing into the Lord and humbling ourselves and asking God to awaken something within us that is kingdom and not merely cultural. And so we're calling him, him to do this and it is entirely possible that God is saying to us, I'm going to, but first I'm going to need to deal with this. And he points to our hearts. King David was a man whom the scriptures define as an individual who had a heart like God's or a heart that went after God. He was an imperfect man. By the time we find him in chapter 16 of 2 Samuel, he has already come to power. He's been on the throne probably about 14 or 15 years at this time. He's already fallen morally with Bathsheba. He has already concocted the murder of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. He's been exposed. He's been repentant. He has received the discipline of the hand of the Lord. But some of the effects that came into his family through that sinful season was that he lost credibility with his kids. And one of his kids is named Absalom. And at 2 Samuel 15 and 16, you find that Absalom has rebelled against his father, King David, and he has moved into the palace and he is establishing himself as the king over Israel in David's place. David is fleeing Jerusalem as a fugitive, and that's the context for what we just read. It's the worst moment in David's kingdom reign, the worst moment. His son, whom he loves, is sitting on the throne that he has stolen from David. David is leaving the city like a fugitive, and in that moment where he is being humiliated by circumstance, up arises this this despicable creature named Shimei who's going to heap scorn on David in his worst moments. Why do I go to such lengths to tell you that? Because I want you to get it. I want you to recognize that David is feeling this with every component of his identity. This is not make-believe. This is not some light, temporary thing that David's just kind of, you know, brushing off. This is real pain. It's real rejection and real humiliation. The reason why I want you to feel it is because the way he responds to this is the way that we have to respond to it when it finds us. We have to learn from King David. And so let's start back up in verses 5 through 8 very simply. These are not complicated, deep, theologically rich verses. This is day-to-day living. This is God moving into our house with us for a minute. And we see that David becomes the target of somebody's spite in verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. It's seen in a couple of different ways. And the first is this personal attack. It found David. And it says, when King David came to Bahurim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul. That's important. I'll explain why in a moment. Whose name was Shimei, and then it gives a little bit of his family history. But it says this, as he was following David and his entourage who were fleeing Jerusalem, 
They're moving northeast. They've got about 21 miles, 20 miles to go. They're going, heading towards the Jordan River. And as they're leaving, Shimei comes up and he begins to curse David. It would involve everything that you can think about when you hear the word curse. It likely involved all sorts of rich, creative, filthy language that he's heaping on David. But also, you're going to see the particulars. He's calling down God upon David. He is accusing David. Now, why is this important? Well, there's this little footnote. Shimei is a distant relative of King Saul. King Saul was the first king of Israel. David ended up replacing King Saul. King Saul died in shame. He died on the battlefield. And, and, and Shimei was once connected to the royal family of Israel. But when King Saul fell, all of King Saul's family, the Benjamites and the household there in the territory of Benjamin, they lost their connection to the throne. So he's a dispossessed individual. And Shimei himself is going to express great bitterness towards David because David was exalted by God and Saul was put down by God. Let me just throw this in there. Some of you are in a season where God is exalting you. Expect to see some Shimeis come your way. Expect it. Because when God starts elevating somebody in the kingdom, I promise you this, there's just some rascals. I don't even want to give the devil credit for it. There's just some people out there who cannot be happy when somebody else is exalted and they're not being exalted. And Shimei was one of those guys. And so David is experiencing, in an already difficult situation, this personal attack from Shimei. Go a little bit further because the personal attack kind of amplifies in verse number six. It becomes public shaming. See, he's throwing stones at David, literal rocks, dirt, dust. And he's throwing it at all the servants of King David who are with him. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. So the picture is painted that David's leaving the city with a few faithful individuals, part of his military, part of his guard, part of his royal cabinet. They're going with him out of Jerusalem, and Shimei doesn't care. He is throwing rocks, and he is hurling words, and he is deeply agitated. And all of this is happening in the ears of people that David was once the esteemed king over. So it wasn't a private conversation. Those are tough enough. You ever been in one of those private conversations where somebody's just gotten you completely wrong, but they're convinced they've got you completely right? In a private conversation, it's hard enough when they're accusing and indicting and cursing and telling you that God's against you. I've been in a few of those. And you just sit there helpless. Those are bad enough, but this one's in the open arena. So not only is David hearing all of the cursing and the accusation and all the, 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 the shame of having rocks thrown at you by this loser named Shimei, but everybody with David is hearing it. And so everybody's getting a taste of the foulness that is coming out of Shimei, and there's nothing David can do about it in, in the spirit. There's nothing he can do about it. Now, I like verse number seven because as it takes us a little bit further into the text this is where Shimei really proves himself foolish. He starts issuing these provoking challenges to David. He is saying as he cursed, I mean, this guy's just a motor mouth that won't shut up, and he's saying, get out of here, get out. You're a man of bloodshed, you are worthless. Now, remember a little history with David with me. David's the dude who as a teenager 
snap the neck of a bear and rip the head off of a, of a lion, if we can just say it that way. David, yeah, he's a poet, he's a musician, he's a lover, he is all of those things, but he is also an intimidating very well-equipped military man who has proven himself as a man of warfare. And you got this little rat, rat terrier named Shimei over there just barking at him. And, and David can handle this thing immediately if he wants. He can handle it. You know, it's, this is how it plays out, by the way. This is real-life stuff. I hope y'all can traffic with me in this. All of us can put up with a little, Right? And we're like, man, I am being godly. I am, I am, I feel Jesus on this. This is awesome. I've grown, I've matured. You know, Shimei threw one rock, we ducked. We, you know, we, we, we sidestepped it, he's cursing us. We're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with it. The Lord's got me, the Lord's got me. And, and, and then somebody says that one thing. They go there. They hit that button that they know they should not have touched. And all of the sudden, we're not walking in the spirit. We're asking the devil to help us take care of the Shimei. Some of us are wired a little intensely. Um, before I was saved, um, I, had, I had anger issues. I got saved and I had anger issues. I got some counseling, and the counselor with her PhD up on the wall, she says, Jeff, you have anger issues. <laughs> so I've wrestled with this my whole life. Uh, just to be very transparent, uh, I, went, I went through uh, five days of deliverance with RTF this past summer, and it was so nice to find out why I, I struggled my whole life with anger issues. I wasn't born angry, I got hurt. And so when you go back and the wound gets healed, the symptoms begin to subside. David, whether he was an angry dude or not, I know this, he was capable at taking care of business with Shimei. And so these provocative challenges were released over David and he restrained himself. The button was pushed, but David didn't react. Shimei went there, but David weaned himself out of his flesh and humbled himself in the presence of the Lord. Now, we can applaud David, but he's not done yet because the test actually gets ratcheted up in the next section of verses, which we'll share in a moment. Look in verse number eight. Here's where it gets extremely painful when these preposterous accusations from Shimei get floated out there. Listen to Shimei's synopsis of what was going on in David's life. The Lord, he brought the Lord into it. The Lord has avenged on you all of the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned, and the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you're a man of blood. Now, I don't have time to do it, but if, if you want to, go back and just read the history of David's interaction with Saul. David wasn't guilty of anything with Saul. David bent over backwards to show honor unto Saul, to humble himself towards Saul. So David didn't kill Saul. David didn't kill Jonathan. Shimei is not only factually wrong, but let me tell you what's happened to him. And this can happen to, to, to anybody, really, if we're not careful. You start seeing the entirety of a person 
through the lens of what they are to you. And when you do that, you have an inaccurate reflection of who that person is. Shimei's problem was, is he associated David with the downfall of Saul, but that was Saul's fault, not David's. But, but, but Shimei recognized that it negatively impacted him and his family and their tribe. It negatively, so David represented to Shimei the downfall of Shimei's status in Israel. And so Shimei reworks the whole narrative and says, God's coming against you because of what you did to my people. And none of that was true. The, the reality is, if we really wanted to peel back the thing, David was experiencing chastisement and some of the repercussions of his failures as a parent and some of his moral failures, but it had nothing to do with what Shimei was accusing. And so it's a really difficult place to be when you are doing your best to honor the Lord. You are humbling yourself before the Lord. You know where you failed the Lord, but you've made it right with God to the best of your ability. And then later on down the road, you experience trouble. And there's always that intense fundamentalist that will come up to you and say, God's getting you. God's getting you for this. See, you're forgiven, but God's still hacked off up on his throne in heaven, and he is coming after you. And that's what was happening to David. And so you've got these preposterous, inaccurate accusations. By the way, let's just remember, we have to, we have to remember the schemes of Satan, the strategies of Satan. I like the King James, the devices of the devil. We, we have to remember that he's an accuser. That's what he does. He's got plenty of hand puppets out there. He just strips on a person on that hand, moves their mouth, and they start speaking the accusations of hell against God's people. And friends, listen, you don't have to listen. You don't have to listen to those accusations. You certainly don't need to imbibe them and, and, and take them in. But how difficult it is when, when people who aren't struggling see us in our struggle and they invoke the name of the Lord upon us, and they say, God's doing this to you. That's what David was going for. So again, this is David's midday afternoon. He's fleeing Jerusalem because his son has rebelled and taken the throne. He's got a handful of people with him, and as he moves through the, 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 the area where so many Benjamites, so many relatives of Saul are living, this one guy comes out cursing, accusing, throwing literal rocks at him, publicly shaming him. Now, before moving on to what David does, let me just say that there are some possibilities of responses that we all have. Some of us in a false humility or in a victimization mindset will say, everything he's saying is right and God hates me and I deserve this. And you're wrong. Others might respond like maybe I described a little bit earlier, saying, if he says one more word, it's going to be his last word. And, and that's just, it's a possible way. And those two extremes of believing everything and, and making yourself into, you know, the doormat of heaven where God stomps and wipes his feet versus this, I'm going to shut them up because they're wrong and I'm right. Those two extremes, neither one of those bring glory to Jesus. Those are the wrong answers. And so let's look at David because I think David gives us some understanding about what we can do so as to live free from offense. Because, listen, you've already been tested on this. Some, as you're sitting there, most of you are thinking, I remember this with this person. I remember this with this person. So this is not uncommon. This is not fantasy. This is real life. And David can help us here. So what did he do? David denied his flesh, and he trusted God. I know that sounds simple, and it is, 
It's simple to say, it's hard to do. He denied his flesh, and he trusted God. Now, what made matters worse is verse number nine. David actually had encouragement to get even. Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, who was very loyal to David. He was both family and a loyal, mighty man in David's tribe of warriors. Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord, who's the king? And then he offers his services. Let me go over and take off his head. I'm being very careful here. That's the voice of the flesh. It appeals to our sense of justice, by the way. So it's, it's not that it's completely void of, of some elements that might appeal in the kingdom. I think it's Exodus 22. I think there's a verse in Exodus 22. It says, do not lift up your voice against a ruler. It's actually rephrased in the law of God. And so what Shimei was doing was technically legally forensically he was violating the the heart of god as expressed in the law and so he says let me go kill him and he was not playing around uh abishai could and, and think about this david could say well technically i didn't kill him technically my hands are clean it was abishai that did it i didn't even ask him to do it he offered to do it you see there's wise counsel and then there's unwise counsel when you're being mistreated by somebody, when you're in a season where um, you're the one being humbled and the person that is humbling you uh, is not in the right, I promise you, you're going to have good friends and loyal compatriots that are going to be right there with you, and they're going to encourage you to get even. They're going to encourage you. Man, I, I've done enough marriage counseling to know, man, you sit down and you're with a couple, and in the midst of the counseling, one of them, it's usually the woman, will bring up a friend of hers whom she's been confiding in who's been telling her for six months to leave the bum. And, and now it's the poor dude over there, whatever his mistakes might be, it's not, he's not only trying to reason with his wife, he's got a double reason to get his, the girlfriend's words out of his wife's head. Why? Because she loves her friend, doesn't like to see her friend suffer, wants to see her friend hit the road and start over. And she pulls an Abishai, hey, let, let me take out the sword and we'll sever this marriage. And having encouragement to get even um, is a tough thing to resist. And I promise you this, David had to make a decision on this thing. I doubt it was easy, but look at the decision that he made. Because in verses 10, 11, you find out he had no desire to get even. It wasn't in his heart. I want you to read the humility and the trust and the sovereignty of God. We need to understand that the concept, the component, the reality of God's sovereignty in our seasons where we are being offended, mistreated, misunderstood, misrepresented. You have to, you have to draw your heart cord back to the throne where a sovereign God sits. And David helps us do that. And so the king said to Abishai, what have, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah? If he, if Shimei is cursing because the Lord has said to him, curse David, who then shall say, why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more this Benjamite? Leave him alone, let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. Now, I do not believe that David was getting a specific prophetic word that 
envisioned God speaking to Shimei saying, go out and curse David. What David's doing is he's taking a step back. He's saying, this whole season for me is jacked up right now. My own son, he's like, you think I care about this guy up here on the hillside? I, I am dying because the son whom I love has rebelled against me. He has, he has taken my throne. And, and, and David's able to take a step back and he's saying, this is a breaking season in my life. This is a season where I'm supposed to be sucking dust. I'm supposed to be brought low. And he's actually seeing the kind hand of providence over and above the wicked hand of man. He's seeing eternal purposes in temporary affliction. Now, I'm going I'm to give you something here. If you can pull that lever when you're in your season and you can see the bigness of God behind as the backdrop of the littleness of that person who's coming against you, it is going to be a, uh, much easier for you to respond in a way that reflects the heart of God. You've got to see God in those seasons where you're being mistreated, misrepresented, misunderstood. When you're offended, you have to ask yourself, why did the sovereign God of heaven allow this through this person at this time? You have to think. You have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You have to slow down because your impulse will typically take you in a wrong direction. But when the Holy Spirit is governing your human spirit, you can respond like David did. David said, hey, in the grand scheme of things, this punk up on the hill is no big deal. I'm dying over the bigger situation, which is I've lost the heart of my son. And so David's able to see the big picture. And so ultimately he says to Abishai, who's, you know, kind of, he's, he's sharpening his sword to take off Shimei's head. He says to Abishai, he says, no, leave him alone. He literally says, God's in this. There's a purpose for me in this thing. Now, friends, that's a mark of maturity that all of us can aspire to. And typically, let me tell you the way we get there, by going through successive challenges from people. Because nobody gets to respond like this on challenge number one. It's just not the way it works. If you do, man, I want to hang out with you. I want some of what's on you to get on me. Most of us have to learn trial by error. Um, I'll, I'll just be candid with you. Um, and I, I can tell you, I can stand before the Lord here, and as best as I know my heart, I have zero bitterness towards anybody that has ever been a part of any flock that I've shepherded, but I went through at least five consecutive years where every time I stood up on this platform, I looked out, I knew there was somebody out there that hated my guts. I, I'm every single week, and I'm going to tell you, the first go-around, I did not handle it like David. I didn't handle it like Jesus. I handled it like Abishai without the physical violence. But, um, you know, I used the sword of my pastoral authority to suppress their vocality. And how many of y'all have ever been in a church service where you know the pastor's arguing with, something while it, arguing with somebody <laughs> while he's preaching? If, if you're in ministry and you're a preacher, that's not fair because they can't argue back and you've got the floor. It's just not right. We can't do that. But I did that. Proving my point while, you know, they're on silence. And it took years. But the, the beautiful thing is this. When you come to that place where you're like, oh, this isn't about me. This isn't even about who's right. This is about who's going to be the first to give God the glory and how they respond. And that's where we win. That's where the favor and the blessing and the smile of God 
falls on us and say, well, wait, they're wrong, though. He knows that. The Lord knows that. He, he's, I promise you, he's sovereign in their life, too. He's going to be dealing with them. But right now, he's dealing with us, and what will we do? So I like what he says in verse number 12, just very quickly here. David knew that the Lord was his defense. He says to Abishai and the whole crew, he says, it may be that the Lord will look on the wrong being done to me. And maybe the Lord will repay me with good for all of Shimei's cursing today. Man, David said, I'm actually going to take it. I'm not going to defend myself. I'm not going to straighten out everybody that's hearing these accusations. I'm not going to go from person to person to make sure I'm perfectly understood by them and that Shimei's wrong and I'm right. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let God defend me. And David didn't have a word on this, but he knew the heart of God. He's saying, you know, God's actually so good and God loves me. And I know God. He's my faithful good shepherd. I, I know him. And it's within his capacity, if I'll just handle this and trust him, it's actually in the character of God that I might even be able to get a blessing out of this thing because God will repay me good for his evil. Are we patient enough to wait on that? See, that's the test. The test is, because I think that's sound theology, but that doesn't mean it's, it's easy to do. Because Shimei is still barking. David's giving the speech, and he's ducking rocks as he's doing it, because Shimei is still throwing stones. But I love what he says. David just says, I'm not, I'm not going to react at this point towards Shimei. Um, I think if I handle this well, it's reasonable that I might expect God to bless me. And I just want to, I want to speak, I feel, I feel Rama touch on that right now. I feel that some are in this room, some will listen to it or watch it later, and you're in a David Shimei situation, and you, you just about had it. And I just want to, just for a moment, let the voice of the Lord come to you and say, don't handle it. Don't defend yourself. I'm not talking about physical assaults or danger like that. I'm talking about words. This, the context of this is words. You don't have to have everybody to understand you. you listen, I'm going to promise you something. There are people in your life, you're never going to get your reputation back with them. You're not. And you can lose another night of sleep on that, or you can just say, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you'll straighten it out. Isn't it an awesome thing for us Christians to know that when we get to glory, every scale is going to be balanced? Yeah. Every misunderstanding is going to be clarified. And, and so the reality is, is, but we have to wait. And when we wait, we seal off our hearts from living in an atrophied sense of, of offense towards people. Um, our, our cultural mantra is that people are good. That's what the world says. You know, the Bible says, uh-uh. People are bad. People are, by their default nature, sinners, enemies of God, children of darkness, children of the devil. You encouraged yet? We are, that's the way we, and, and, the, and the whole world system is, is literally lying in the lap of the evil one. 
And, and so, I don't want to sound cynical, but I want to sound biblical. You should not be surprised when Shimei does what he does to you. It doesn't make it feel good, but we can't feign shock. I can't believe this. I've never heard of such things. Um, that's just people being people. The, qu- the qu- question is, will God's people be like God? You say, Jeff, do you have an example? Yeah, God. God the Son. In the last chapter is devoted to his earthly life. Everybody betrayed him. The accusations against him were all false. His, his, one of his own ran out after Jesus washed Judas' feet and scampered away to go collect some coinage in order to betray his master. Peter denied him three times. He was utterly and all alone. He was beaten. Y'all, we all know the gospel story. But what's amazing to me is the Bible says that he fulfilled prophecy because as a lamb led to the shears, he, he just, a lamb led to the slaughter, he just didn't open his mouth. They railed on him, he didn't rail on them. And that's the one who lives in you. And so when I'm confronted with Shimei now, I want Jeff to shut up. I, I want Jesus to step forward and own my silence. I just want his silence to speak on my behalf. And so when David gets in the thick of this thing, he says, I'm not going to do anything. So let's finish up. Last couple of verses is just revealing that um, David endured the pain and he passed the test. And yeah, there's a test in it. Every time we're mistreated, I promise you, there's a test in it. It's not God soliciting us to do evil. It's, it's God looking at this as an opportunity to make us like his son. Every one of these is an opportunity to advance in Christ-likeness. But in order for that to happen, the nails of your own personal crucifixion have to be driven in a little deeper. And so what does it look like for David? Well, in verse 13, sometimes circumstances get worse before they get better. So David and his men went on. They kept going down the road while Shimei went along. He was on the hillside opposite him, cursed as he went, threw stones at him, and flung dust. Now, let me address the little bargaining instinct we have in our hearts. All right, God sent me a test. I responded rightly. Now, the end of the equation is God makes the test go away because I did what was right, and that's not what God did. David did everything right. He said no to Abishai. He's not going to kill him. He gave God the glory saying, listen, God's sovereign. God's in the midst of this thing. If God wants this man to curse me, then then I'm just going to have to endure. And maybe there's a blessing in it. If I abide rightly, David, his theology was good. His, His practical response was holy. He did it well. And the problem didn't go away. Shimei actually said, oh, you're going to keep walking, are you? Well, I'm going to keep walking with you. I got more rocks. I mean, he's out in the middle of the wilderness, the desert. There's rocks everywhere. He had tons of ammunition. And uh, he just kept running his mouth. If you're in that, man, I actually feel this. I, I feel somebody's at this high of an intensity level right now dealing with somebody. You're doing everything right, and the source of your agitation has not been shut down. 
God is seeking to take you to a new level of abiding in Jesus. He is offering you this opportunity to come out of your flesh suit and enter more fully into a walk in the Spirit that's going to make you like Jesus in ways that you can't be like Him if God shuts down the source of the agitation right now. There's still something in you that He's developing, He's molding, He's making it. He's a potter, and so He's, he's, he's looking at His glorious Son, and He's looking at you, and He says, I'm going to take a little off of her here. I'm going to put a little on her here. I'm going to mold him just a little bit more like this. Oh, my child's starting to look like my only begotten. And all the clay has to do is just stay on the wheel. Just stay there. And so I would love to tell you at the end of the message, if you'll do these three things, your problem will vanish. But I can't tell you that. It might, it might not. The, the key is this. You've got to respond to what the Lord's doing, not what the person's doing. So verse 14, though some curse us, and this is where I get to encourage you, some may curse us, but come on, some will stand by us. It says, and the king and all the people who were with him. Now don't miss that. It's just like a little kind of benign statement in there, but David wasn't completely alone. You know how that works when when one shimmy eye has got all of your attention, you start feeling like you are all by yourself, Nobody loves me. Somebody better send me flowers today. I am, I am, no man cares for my soul. Listen, I've been there before. My precious wife, thank God for her, man. She saw me at the, the abyss of pastoral depression probably six years, seven years ago, and just dying. And she would get me at times like, like a, a, a mother to a school child, and she will say, Jeff, I'm with you. I am with you. You are not all alone. And then she'd say, what about this guy? He's with you. What about this guy? He's with you. What about these three people? They're with you. And all of a sudden you realize, okay, I'm kind of writing my own sad story here. Basically, I've got some shimmy eyes out there, but I've also got some people that, that love me. And I just want to hit you with that. If you're going to obsess over the people in your life, don't obsess over shimmy eye. Obsess over the people that are walking into Christ-likeness with you. And they stand by you. And they hear the same things that the Shimei is saying. They hear it, but they don't believe it. And, and even when there's a grain of truth in what Shimei is saying, if your Shimei has a grain of truth, it's awesome to recognize that some people know the worst about you and still walk by your side in your days of humility. And so thank God for them. Amen? And don't just thank God for them. Thank the people for standing by your side. The end of verse number 14, we, we, we're actually done. Wow, awesome. God gives refreshing pools in seasons of attack. So they're all walking, and they arrived weary. I, I love my Bible. They arrived weary at the Jordan, but it was there that he refreshed himself. You see, the Bible doesn't say David galloped into the Jordan singing the hymns of Zion at the top of his lungs. <laughs> It says every single one of them, they walked 21 miles. I don't know when Shimei turned around and went home, but 21 miles from Jerusalem to the Jordan. And when they got there, they had about had it. It was probably an eight or a nine or a 10 hour journey, who knows? And, and they had had it. They were weary, but they used what was right in front of them to refresh themselves. 
If I'm David, I'm like, that was a hard, long, hot, dusty walk. I got shimmy eye dust all over me. I'm going to hit the Jordan. I'm diving in. I'm going to do a double gainer right into that thing. And you just get in, and, and, and he, he refreshed himself. So as I close, let me, let me just give you this. Uh, the Lord has appointed a place of refreshing for you if you'll keep walking. He's got it. He knows exactly where it is. I'm, I'm just going to testify. For the last three years, I've been living in the place of refreshing that God provided for me after years and years of dealing with Shimei. And I can say right now, there, there might be somebody out there. I love you if you're out there. I, I don't think I can know of a single person that hates my guts right now. I, that's an awesome feeling. <laughs> that's actually great. I, I can't think of a single person that hates my guts. But chances are, listen, chances are, there'll be another Shimei. That's not pessimistic. Those are cycles of life. Sometimes, in really tough seasons, your spouse is Shimei. Be like Jesus to the Shimei you made your vows to. Pray deeply. If you respond like Jesus did, I just have to believe that at some point the Lord's going to honor that. Sometimes it's your boss. Sometimes it's somebody that works for you. It could be, for those of you that are younger, it could be the jerk at school. Shimei's are everywhere. But hallelujah, Jesus is everywhere. And he's bigger. Greater is the one who's living in you than the one who's puppeteering Shimei for his purposes. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. You have to live free from offense. You have to. If you want to know why, you can hang out the next service because I'm going to, I'm going to take the next service in Matthew 18. I'm going to show you how serious Jesus is about this. It is intense. But for right now, I just want you to close your eyes. We're going to be done in two minutes max. Who is your Shimei today? Somebody that offended you. Now, if you're able to say, Jeff, by the grace of God, there's no offense in my heart towards him or her, then I bless you in the name of Jesus to help others who are struggling with offense. You, you were made to overcome your offense so that you can help others overcome theirs. If you haven't overcome it, I just want to tell you that if you'll release it the best way you know how, you need to say their name to the Lord you need to be as specific as you possibly can with how they affected you, what they did, what they said. And you need to get as specific as you can and you need to bring it all to the Lord. And you need to say, Lord, I ask that your blood be upon their sins against me. And you forgive them. You forgive everybody for everything. You haven't heard the word easy in this entire message. It is not easy. It costs you. But the cost brings the value. He will set you free, and there's no barriers, there's no locked doors that Jesus can't open up and inspect. You have nothing to hide. So, Father, we say yes. We make the decision, Lord, Lord, 
trusting that you will supply the resources. We choose not to defend ourselves, our reputations, our names, our ministries. We choose not to. We choose instead to look for the good that you will repay us by enduring the evil, the wickedness, the injustice brought against us. We renounce our rights to be completely understood all the time. We bear the stigma of those who have believed wrong things about us. And we trust you with them. We rest in your affirmation, your acceptance, the completion that we have in Jesus Christ. We stand there joyfully. And we thank you, Jesus, that as you did not revile those that reviled you, you're teaching us to do the same. You are worthy, and we love you this morning. In your own holy name we pray, amen, amen.